Support for this episode comes from Viator. Experiences are what people love the most about travel. That's why Viator has over 300,000 bookable experiences, so there's always something for everyone. They offer everything from simple tours to extreme adventures. Plus, Viator's travel experiences have millions of real traveler reviews, so you have the information you need to book the best activities for your trip. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. One app, over 300,000 travel experiences you'll remember. Do more with Viator. What's up, everybody? Thanks for joining us today. My name's Kent Swanson. This is the AP Laboratory, and uh, we have a great show today for you. We're going to talk about Chris Jones. We're going to talk about players ready to exceed expectations, players that need their expectations tempered, here to talk to me about all those things, Maddie Lynn and Craig Stout. Matt, how we feeling? I'm doing great today, Kent. How are you? I'm good. Uh, I uh, I'm I'm so like this is episode two of the week. I'm so glad to be back. I know I've been I've missed a lot of time the last uh, the last few weeks, be it sickness, be it vacation. Um, I'm just I'm ready. I, I I don't have any other planned things moving forward. I'm just ready to be around and talk ball with all you guys. So I'm really re- ready to get going on all that stuff. Do you have a comment on this month where you have been gone for half of it? We have had our best month in the Arrowhead Pride podcast history. I'm not surprised. <laughs> <laughs> we There's actually, a reason. We've actually received the most five-star reviews during that time as well. And we would really appreciate it if those keep coming in because we really enjoy those reviews. Put questions in there. We will read them live on the podcast for you guys. And my friend here, Craig Stout, find them at Barley Hop. He greatly enjoys them. If he comes back from his vacation he is currently on, he would love to see some more five-star reviews. Love to see them. I, I, seriously, I, I get <laughs> – uh, this, is, this is genuine, Craig, not Joe Craig. I, I love them. I check them. You guys are awesome. I, it, it brightens my day. It's good. You guys are great. Comedy hop. You, Comedy hop. You heard it here first. The only thing good in Craig's life it's is five star internet review. comments. Oh man, it's, that's no, great. No, wait. Let's let's not go there. Let, no. <laughs> wow, Craig. Uh, we have a lot to talk about today. Let's start with Chris Jones because um, Chris Jones looks like DK Metcalf right now. <laughs> not quite, but it's close. He's slimmed down. Uh, I, Maddie, you estimated 280. Is that right? Yeah, I mean, it's one video, but yeah, if I was guessing, I would guess in the low 280s. That's see, that's crazy. I, I, I find it interesting, um, that he's that slimmed down. Craig, I know you kind of made some connections between Chris Jones and that video of him. And if you haven't seen it, it's all over social media. Chris Jones, uh, working out, looking like, an edge defender, Craig. Yes, absolutely. I mean, he he looks downright sculpted compared to the what he looked like last year when he was even playing a little bit lighter, and then definitely the year before. And that's that's kind of where this question really starts here, because Chris Jones is obviously working really hard. He's obviously trying really hard to get himself in the best possible shape for this year, as he should, but. Is he on the same page with the Chiefs? Do we know if 
the Chiefs want him that slim because Steve Spagnuolo, in his history, has played with defensive linemen that were 315 pounds and heavier. Like, that's kind of the, the, the cutoff point there. And Now, granted, he's never played with a three-tech like Chris Jones with that kind of talent. So Chris Jones would have had that ability to fit in and be a good, rota- or not rotational piece, a major impact piece within this defensive line. But if he's slimming down, is he kicking out to defensive end? Are we going to see more snaps from him at defensive end? I'm okay with it. I think that Chris Jones can play that role, but is he doing this? Is Are the Chiefs prepared when he comes back to play him at defensive end? I don't know. Matt and I talked about this a little bit before we recorded the podcast last week. So, Matt, Matt why don't you share some of your thoughts? Yeah, and that's kind of where I'm coming from here, too, is what kind of communication is there between Chris Jones and the coaching staff? Because Chris Jones clearly was in the best shape of his life last year. And you kind of saw that on the field. He looked quicker. He looked lighter. Mm -hmm. He looked like a guy that was playing at a lower weight. He now has noticeably lost even more weight. He's gotten to the point now to where, like Craig said, he and Frank Clark don't look too different. Frank Clark, like a couple days later, had a picture of him working out. And granted, it's a still photo, edited, but they don't look massively different in size and stature. So now you're going to have two guys that are going to be generally the same size playing two wildly different positions in Steve Spagnuolo's defense. It's just an interesting kind of wormhole to go down if you're wondering, are the Chiefs aware that Chris Jones may be in the lighter than he was last year? Do they want him to be lighter than he was last year? Historically, Spagnola's defense gets pressure off the ends. Interior pressure comes through stunts or defensive ends lining up as defensive tackles. He doesn't have a 280-pound three-tech playing on the inside because at times the run's going to be right at him. At times he's going to have to play through double teams and little stuff like that. So it's just a weird connection or a weird thing to see Chris Jones actively trying to lose weight. And the first thing that pops into my head is, is he doing this for himself? Is he seeing Aaron Donald's money and being like, hey, Aaron Donald looks like that. He weighs less than me. Why don't I just try to mimic what Aaron Donald does and get paid? Which that's fine if that's what he's doing. I understand looking out for him. But when you're taking looking at it from the team's perspective, you have to be aware if that is his goal, that he doesn't want to play in a role that you might have carved out for him. Yeah, and I look at this roster construction, and it looks like they've made a lot of moves to get build and develop the edge position. They went out and signed Alex Okafor. They went out and traded for Frank Clark. They went out and traded for Emmanuel Ogba. I look at all these guys and they've they've done a lot of work trying to build up the edge group. And I know and me and Craig when I when I when we first had me and Craig had this conversation earlier this week, uh, we were talking about, you know, Obviously, these guys get moved around all over the place, and I understand that, and I get that. But there seems like a clear-cut hole in this roster, and it's the three-tech position. It is, you know, Xavier Williams and Colin Saunders and, I mean, Breland Speaks. (laughs) I just, I look at that group that they're working with, I just say... Maybe they had they could they can figure it out and mix and match and yada 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 they can figure that all out, but it just seems like you'd want Chris Jones 
spending his time playing as a three tech instead of trying to play as an it. So I I look at it, I don't think it's a Chiefs side thing when I look at it. I mean, that would be a problem, obviously, if that was the case. If they are hoping for him to be bigger than he currently is. I mean, it was already going to be small, but I, if I don't know. I don't know. It, it, it's a tough thing because there's still a role for that kind of rusher. We talk about how all these guys can kick inside and rush from the inside. If you're talking about it from that standpoint, having these ends that can move in and still rush the passer, that's that's where Chris Jones is going to thrive the most anyway. Like that, That's where he's really going to pay dividends as a rusher. That's what we saw last year with all those sacks and that pressure. He was just such a dominant force inside. He can still do that within that within that realm you know still kick inside and play those roles it just means that all of a sudden on base downs on downs where maybe a run is a little more likely even if it is against 11 personnel and you're in the nickel maybe chris jones isn't on the field as much right well and well I, sorry i'll i'll let you go matt it's just from a i i, I just look at that from a rotational perspective and it to exactly what you said like why i i don't see how it could be logical i don't see how it would really make a ton of sense to me personally to see chris jones being asked to try to play at a lighter weight to play more as an end it just looking from a like from a logistics perspective almost like i don't see it i i can't see it maybe i'm just not as in the weeds with spags as you guys are which i definitely am not well, to go back to what you said, there's kind of a hole at the three tech. And from player role perspectives, if Chris Jones isn't there, I agree. But that's not historically what Spagnuolo has done with this three tech. Like his three techs aren't guys that are getting interior pressure based on their quickness and their pass rush ability. So while, I mean, it's fantastic to have that on your team for sure. And I'm sure he wouldn't complain if you dropped an Aaron Donald, J.J. Watt, Chris Jones onto his roster but I don't think that his defense is centered around having a player that can do that. So the rotation of a Derek Nadi, Xavier Williams, Colin Saunders fits the mold a lot more of what he used in his last stint with the Giants and just going back, kind of looking through his defenses. Now, this isn't to say that he can't change and he isn't trying to use Chris Jones or a lighter three tech at some points, but now we get back into that rotational aspect. If Chris Jones is even at 290 pounds, I'm not so sure he's playing on all running downs at 290 pounds as a defensive tackle. So what's the difference if he's 280 and plays D end on base downs and then kicks inside on pass rush downs versus on the bench on base downs and comes in for pass rushing downs, if that makes sense. Sure. And and Matty, I think you even said last week, if, if Chris Jones is pushing Alex Okafor to a guy that just comes on the field for pass rush, or, you know, a rotational end. Like, if your starting ends are Chris Jones and Frank Clark in this defense, those are good starting ends. Now, I, I like Alex Okafor a lot, but he's a guy that you can bring in for, you know, uh, maybe Chris Jones only plays 50% of the snaps or 60% of the snaps. Okafor is going to be in there plenty of those snaps. He still might get 50 to 60% of the snaps with Chris Jones playing a little more inside, kicking inside on later down. So it's not a scenario where it's kind of one of those situations where having too much of a good thing is still a good thing. So I I don't know. I don't know. It's interesting. Yeah, I, and 
one of the things that Craig mentioned last week when we were talking, which, you know, kind of calmed me down a little bit thinking through some of this stuff. You said Chris Jones played, what, 60, 60% of the snaps last year? Is that yeah, right, Craig? Yeah, roughly. And you're anticipating just based on the rotational usage that Spagnola is typically employed that it might be less than that even. Maybe. Maybe. It, it, it depends on how – again, like Matt said, it's hard to really pinpoint because he's it, he's saying that he's going to change some stuff up. But, yeah, if it's like the past, then, yeah, there'll be a rotation. Okay. So, I mean, you know, if if it's not eating into or creating some kind of logjam or issue where the rotation is getting messed up, like, fine, whatever. Just yeah, uh, lose some effect, weight. Effect, be quicker. Affect the passer. Yeah, yeah. Affect the passer. And this also fine. isn't to say I mean, that I, I don't think any of us think it's most likely that he's playing defensive end. It's just was right. very odd timing of this video based sure. around other contracts in the NFL that all of a sudden Chris Jones is looking like more like a defensive end than a defensive tackle for a defensive coordinator that historically has 315-pound-plus defensive tackles. Dalvin Tomlinson, Jonathan Hankins, these are not guys that are ever going to touch the 280s <laughs> while playing football. It's just not going to happen. That's Chris Jones' role right now, and he's looking like Frank Clark rather than them. So it's just something that caught our eye, and we all three kind of separately had this exact same take when we first saw the video. Like We're like, oh, he looks like Bane. He looks really good. Wait a second, he's kind of small. That was all yeah. three of ours kind of thought process when we saw the video. And when we say small, we mean small for the three techs that Spagnola, because he does Correct. not look small. He looks like a massive human being that could probably kill right. somebody. But yes, and and yeah, and then I think all of our all of our heads went to: Is there a disconnect between him and like? Do the Chiefs want him that yeah. light? Do you know do, though, that? That's a question that me and Craig went down the road when I first saw it because we started having that conversation. It was like, do the chiefs want that? You know, that it, it's, it's very fascinating. A lot of this stuff will get answered at the end of the July. So that's, that's the good thing. Okay. Let's transition here. Um, we wanted to do something, uh, kind of different this week. We wanted to all pick players that, uh, are ready to exceed their expectations and then players that need their expectations tempered. So it's just both sides of the coin. And we're going to start with players that are ready to exceed their expectations. I'm going to start. Uh, my guy that I think is going to exceed expectations is Kendall Fuller. And I think I've probably said this a couple times, but I've been gone for most of June, so I don't really remember. <laughs> uh, Kendall Fuller, the, the 2018 version of Kendall Fuller is not the version that got me and a lot of other people excited about Kendall Fuller. Uh, the 2017 version where he got to play uh, more zone, uh, got to utilize his instincts, uh, got to watch the quarterback, got to see the play play out in front of him. Uh, that version is the guy that I think could make a, a good impact on this football team and could be a, a very good value for this football team. Uh if I think a lot of people expect 2018 Kendall Fuller, and he wasn't put in as much, he wasn't put in a position to succeed the same way that he he looked, you know, with the Washington Redskins, um, and you know having to play a lot of man coverage, he got exposed a little bit at times. 
uh, I think he's he's bound he's he's here for a rebound. So I think the expectations people get the 2018 Kendall Fuller out of your out of your out of your mind, and let's look at what he did in 2017, which I think is a better football player. I, he's definitely a better football player in 2017. I mean, in 2018, teams figured out in a hurry, you just run a vertical route at Kendall Fuller, test his speed, knowing that the Chiefs' safeties were garbage. And he wasn't going to get the help over the top. I mean, this... Ron Parker. It just was a bad situation that was compounded by the fact that the defensive coordinator and the defensive scheme just never helped him on those kind of routes. I think Kendall Fuller's got some of the best footwork of the cornerback group. I like his hips. They're pretty fluid. I think that he can be a top slot cornerback, and I think that he will be put in a better chance to succeed. He's certainly going to be protected more over the top in this scheme than he would in Bob Sutton's man-heavy schemes. So I, I'm I'm with Kent. I, I think that people are a little bit too low on him, but I, I, I just, yeah, I, I think he'll be much better this year. And this is kind of a good thing because... I think I come from a little bit different standpoint than you guys do. When the Chiefs traded for Kendall Fuller and they got him, I was very excited. Like I, he has had a great, he was coming off a great year, was one of the league's best slot corners. There was so much to like, and you were seeing natural progression that you want out of a young player transitioning to the NFL, and the fact that he was getting better every year. But when you then slap in a regression year at the end of that, if you take away 2017 and you just kind of look at 16 and 18 are those closer to the player that Kendall Fuller is in 2017 was just the outlier when he was also playing with Bashad Breeland, Josh Norman. He was put in a position where he was relatively protected by the type of defense, a zone heavy defense, the stealth, the good corner play outside of him on either side. We've kind of made a big deal about how Bashad Breeland had his best year at Kendall Fuller, but doesn't that work both ways? Didn't Kendall Fuller also have his best year when Bashad Breeland had his best year and Josh Norman was still a functional corner, a good corner. So how much of Kendall Fuller's 2017 is who he is as a player and how much of it was it was just a great situation, and now we're seeing a little bit more of what Kendall Fuller actually is in the NFL. So I, I that's a great question, and it's a great place to, wait, place to take this. A lot of the things that stood out to me about Kendall Fuller in 2017, which – you know, you can talk about removing it and, 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 and looking at, you know, the even years, you know, I saw a guy that was anticipating and breaking on plays because he knew the play. He was, he was playing with a high football IQ. He was playing with, uh, with obvious preparation. And that was one of the things that really excited me about him because he was, you know, quick to break, he, he was seeing the concepts as they were developing and he was anticipating and making plays on the ball. And he was so well positioned on so many plays that it's hard for me to say that doesn't translate. When he's getting to watch the play and he's getting to see the play in front of him, when he's, I think those things are going to translate as he's getting to play more zone coverage. And so um, getting to, to look at the quarterback more, I think is going to help him. And I think you'll get to see some of those instincts and some of that uh, some of that football character translate into a new scheme. And I definitely think it's a better system for him being a lot more zone heavy. But if I'm not mistaken, Washington also played a lot of spot drop zone for him mm -hmm. there too. So he was able to drop to a spot 
read what was in front of him and the quarterback. He wasn't worried about having to carry the second or the first or the third receiver through a certain zone. So, I mean, I agree that it's going to be better for him than, say, last year was, but I'm not sure it's going to be as ideal as it was for him in 2017. Now, and I agree, his footwork's very good. He closes on the ball fast. He has a high IQ. I don't think he's a bad player by any stretch of the imagination. I just wonder if Chiefs fans got a little overhyped for him based on the one year and haven't quite, and some people have settled back down maybe a little too far. Like, mm-hmm. that's why we're kind of leading off with him here. They think he's even worse than maybe he was last year, even on the field. But I wonder if people are expecting 2017, and maybe that was just his best year. Maybe that was a peak year for him. I think that's fair. I think that's a fair assessment. Um, I think, and just maybe this is just my opinion, I feel like people utilize 2018, and I think he's better than the 2018 version. Well, he's, and that's why he's I certainly better than the 2018 version. The 2018 team couldn't figure out how to banjo. So I Don't go there, yeah. please. Hey, Craig, can you play a banjo? Uh, I can play one better than the 2018 Chiefs defense did. Well, that is that is why you are the Renaissance man. Uh, Ding, 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 ding. And that was a banjo by Kent. Craig, who's going to exceed expectations? Okay, one of the players that I get talked to about the most, when we do these summer specs pieces, a lot of people have a lot of questions about the linebackers. And one of the things that I hear the most is that the Chiefs overpaid for and do not have a Sam linebacker on their roster. Like, people seriously dislike Damian Wilson. I just, I don't get that at all. The Sam linebacker is tasked with setting a hard edge in the run game. It's tasked with disrupting tight end releases in the passing game and dropping and robbing routes underneath. Not trying to play man coverage. I know a lot of people are really struggling with trying to get their heads around that because they're so used to a Bob Sutton defense. But if you look at some of our Summer of Spag stuff, you can see the responsibilities for the Sam linebacker, and they're not as complicated as everybody's making it. I think everybody wants Damian Wilson to be this elite coverage linebacker, an elite pass rusher, and when in truth... That's not really what Spagnolo has done in the past. The, probably the best guy that he had at that was Devin Kennard. And, I, I, you know, he, he was pretty okay at that stuff. But I wouldn't say that he was ever especially elite at any of those aspects of his game. And so a lot of people look at Damian Wilson and think that's a huge hole and that the Sam linebacker position is completely empty and unfilled. I just don't get that at all. Damian Wilson is going to have a fine season as a Sam linebacker. He's going to make the impact that a Sam linebacker should make on 20% of the snaps. He's going to stop the run. He's going to disrupt tight ends a little bit. And he's just going to be overall kind of a glue guy on that side of the line. He will do all of his responsibilities fine enough for what will be asked for him. Yeah, and I think that's the thing. The expectation for what a Sam linebacker is in this defense is really high. I think kind of everybody wants to see Jamie Collins at his peak out there. They want a guy that can cover a tight end down the field, that can also rush the passer at a 10-sack-per-year kind of level, as well as have range to get across the field. Like 
that's not what this player's meant to be for this defense. He's going to be out there when there's multiple tight ends or multiple running backs. He's going to be taking on blocks on the edge of the defense, trying to hold the edge, disrupting tight ends. Damian Wilson, Wilson is perfect for that role. He doesn't have the best coverage skills, even in these little flats and carrying guys you know, to the next level. He may not be the most athletic. He may not always be in the perfect position, but he's functional enough in all those roles. And as a pass rusher, again, I think that he's probably a little step back as a pass rusher from what you want from a Steve Spagnuolo Sam from what we've seen. He wasn't asked to do it in Dallas, though. Maybe there's some talent there that we haven't got to see. There might be some skills that we haven't seen as a pass rusher. But if that's my biggest knock on what he's going to do and he's able to disrupt tight ends and play the run excellent, I don't see why we would complain about Damian Wilson on this team because that he is exactly what this position was meant to be. Yeah, and you heard Anthony Hitchens talk about him a couple weeks ago at minicamp. He said he's a guy that hits really hard and a guy that plays extremely hard. There's a lot of value in a guy like that. Um, and I think he's going to have some special teams value too. I think mm-hmm. most likely he's probably going to wind up playing some special teams as well because you're not rostering just to play 20% of the snaps in base. Um, I, I'm, I'm sure excited Reggie to see what, <laughs> Well, so you can't have two of those guys. Right. Um, but, uh, yeah, I, 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 think, uh, I think for what the Chiefs are going to be using Damian Wilson for, he's going to be good. He's going to be just fine. Uh, and he's going to play hard, and that matters. Mm-hmm. Uh, believe me, that matters. Uh, Maddie. Yeah, Give me so a guy. kind of piggybacking on the same thing with talking about a guy that's going to do exactly what you expect out of his position. Derek Noddy to me is a guy that I think the expectations on him are a little all over the place. Some people thought he was really good last year. Other people kind of think that he's a traditional or like this new aged one down nose tackle type player. And I don't disagree that he's a rundown only kind of player. But I think that his impact on rundowns can be a lot better than what people are giving it credit for right now. We've talked about it multiple podcasts now, but Damon Harrison was an absolute force for the Giants under Steve Spagnola, And Derek Nottie won't be at that level. He's not that level of athlete. But I think he does have that rare strength. He plays with some crazy leverage that when you're setting him offset and asking him to just attack a gap or work through a blocker's chest... I think he's going to be a lot more disruptive. He's going to put the defense in a lot of second and long, third and long situations, and you don't have to limit him to just one down. I think that he can do enough on second downs that you'll be able to keep him on there as long as you're not looking at a pure passing down, second and seven plus. He's good enough at getting penetration or shrinking the pocket that his ability to stop the run is going to outshine what I think people are expecting from him this year. Yeah, uh, Derek Nottie's got a little burst. Uh, it, it's not much. It's just the first step, it's a step or and two. then it falls off. It, but that's enough. <laughs> that really is enough sometimes, especially in a one-gap scheme. You can you can wreck some havoc with that burst. Yeah, I I think we'll be seeing him in the nickel. I think that we'll see a fair amount of him in the nickel on that second down. You know, maybe a second and. Six, second, and five that the offense tries to spread it out a little bit. I think we can see still Derek Naughty being on the field. There is some function for him there. I They like him. Brett Veach really likes him. Brett Veach will talk about him at the drop of a hat, which he should based on that draft class last year. Derek Naughty is the shining star of that draft class at this moment. So he should be talking about Derek Naughty. Oh... 
That was an underwhelming statement <laughs> to close that out. See, and this I like is Derek why we Naughty. talk about his expectations. Yes. This yeah, is- I like Derek Naughty. I do, believe me. Uh, and for what he is, he's a very good football player. Mm-hmm. But uh, if that's the pinnacle of the first draft of Brett Veach's tenure, then... Anyways, we're going to take a break <laughs> on that note. We'll be back right after this with players that need their expectations tempered. Support for this podcast comes from Smartwater. Life moves pretty fast. Are you drinking water that can keep up? Smartwater Alkaline has everything you need to stay hydrated, no matter where your day takes you. Whether you're pitching a tent or your next big idea, Smartwater Alkaline can help you perform your best. It delivers a pure, crisp taste that makes it the perfect chaser after a big workout. Elevate how you hydrate and pick up a Smart Water Alkaline today. To learn more, visit drinksmartwater.com. Okay, so let's take it to the other side of that coin. The players that need their expectations tempered. I think there's some interesting characters here. Um, I'm going to start with one. I'm going to start with Traverius Ward. Um, I like Traverius Ward. I think there's potential. I think um, he is he has a chance to be a solid NFL player. I think what people expect of him is maybe being an above average cornerback, being a even an average cornerback. Like I don't think he's a guy that um, is keeping you from drafting somebody next year. Although I didn't think that this year, but <laughs> I look at him and I look at a small sample size where there was some positive moments. He very well, I'm going to say this Christian Cologne got one of the biggest base hits in the history of the Royals. Uh, And it was one in in the world series in, in the last inning of the, of their world series championship in 2015. And everybody's going to have some kind of level of fondness to Christian Cologne for one of those hits that drove in some runs. Charvarius Ward had a chance to be that guy with the interception at the end of the game. Christian Cologne's not with this team anymore. Charvarius Ward, he very well could fall on the David Tyree path where he made an amazing catch in the Super Bowl one year and then was off the, you know, off the radar the next year. I think there's a disconnect between what Charvarius Ward is, which is a QB cornerback three type. Maybe at best a cornerback too, but people think he's a, a locked-in NFL starter, and I just I'm not convinced quite yet. He could be, but th- he's not there yet, and and he may never get there. And we've heard maybe some rumblings about him being may- a potential All-Pro year, a Pro Bowl cornerback, and it's like it's guys. Just, he, I, I mean, let, let's. Again, this entire segment is let's pump the brakes on some of these guys. Like, we like them. They're good, good players. But we don't need to conflate some of these players to this legendary status right off the bat. Charvarius Ward could end up being a good corner. But right now, he's got some holes in his game. He, He really struggles with underneath routes. He really struggles breaking on routes, particularly comebacks. He just... He's a long, fast cornerback that could fit and pressed well, but he's, he doesn't really feel the route hardly at all. He gets lost on some of these. So he's not necessarily going to be a guy that you're going to 
take what you saw last year and immediately stick it into Spagnuolo's scheme and say, oh, there you go. That's an easy first ballot starter, and he's going to be amazing all year long. He's got a ton of growth to do still. So he, he's a guy that we need to walk back a little bit from. It's part of the reason why we were so confounded by the Chiefs not taking a corner, because they need more guys because they're relying on a guy like Charvarius Ward to play a major role this year. Yeah, he should be in the wait-and-see category. You still have to wait and see what he has. I understand the physical potential and why you like him at his size, his length, and the fact that he did have some good plays on film from last year. But he also has some really bad plays. And like Craig said, there's some stuff about his game that might not translate very well to this new coverage scheme. His feet aren't the most fluid. There's a little bit of clunkiness there. And his ability to get into a pedal or a shuffle and then break on anything underneath didn't look like it was the best. Now, doesn't mean he can't be a good cornerback for the Chiefs. It doesn't mean he can be. It's just things that do need to be fixed and he has to be better at if he is going to be this quality starting cornerback. And it, he may be that, he may not, but we have to wait and see. It seems like there's a lot of kind of counting their eggs before they hatch going on with various Ward based on such a small sample size of last year that was really a lot of hit or miss. And I liked, again, I liked Charverius Ward. I, I think, you know, what they were able to get him for, which was Parker Anger, like that's that's a win. They, they've won that trade and they've got a, a, a cornerback that can contribute uh, at some but level. But he it's also just some only people, cost like, Parker Anger to get. Right. Right. There's a reason. Right. I watched a couple. I've, I've been watching a lot of 18, and there was one play where he was in zone and he tried to he tried to click and close and it just it looked it looked rough and he was late and I think he might have missed the tackle too. I can't remember exactly, but like people like we've talked about, you know, the scheme maybe like I we talked earlier about, you know, people might be taking into account what Kendall Fuller did in last year's scheme. Uh it can the same thing can be said in a different way about Charvarius Ward. You know, this is why I think the Summer of Spags is such a great series that you guys should all be reading. Is it's helping educate people on what is going to be required of the players that are on this roster, and some of the preconceived notions about the success and failures. That some of these guys may not be put in the same positions to have the same kind of success or failure. So. Um, that's something to take into consideration with Charvarius Ward. He may not be asked to do things that he's great at. He, he may not be able to thrive. Who knows? There's still questions. I like him, but there's questions. Uh, Maddie, who do we need to have our expectations tempered about? All right, so I have to start this. This is our first offensive guy, and this is a player that I believe kind of as a group, we were a little bit higher on last year than I think most people were. It means- Going into last year's season. Oh, for sure, we- yeah. We talked about Damian Williams before most people did. We talked about how he could have an impact. And when he finally got a chance, I think he even exceeded our expectations for him. And I think we all are completely comfortable with him being the starting running back this year. I think we all think he's going to have a very good season, that the Chiefs won't be missing Kareem Hunt, that he will be a good football player. Where I want to say pump the brakes on is with some kind of like recent predictions for over-unders for him. And I'm going to be honest, I've been a little hit or miss on social media lately, so I don't know where these numbers came from. I've been a lot off social media quite a bit, just busy with other world things. 
but I've heard and seen 1,500 yards and 15 touchdowns being thrown around, 1,500 yards from scrimmage. Only five running backs did that last year. Todd Gurley, Christian McCaffrey, Ezekiel Elliott, Saquon Barkley, and I believe Alvin Kamara were the only five running backs to get over 1,500 yards from scrimmage. That's some top-tier players right there. And not that Damian Williams isn't a very good player, but I just named four guys that you're kind of going to be competing for all pro running back uh, position spots for the next five, six, seven years, assuming Todd Gurley's knee's healthy. The other guy, Christian McCaffrey, is probably close on their heels in terms of an all-around player. Guys, that, players that got over 15 total touchdowns last year from the running back position, Todd Gurley, and I believe there was one more who's uh, Alvin Kamara also had 15. Those are the players that we're competing with with those over-under predictions. Damian Williams is a very good football player. We're talking about putting him on the verge of an all-pro caliber season because of Andy Reid. I get it. Andy Reid's a great offensive mind. And Patrick. He works wonders with running backs. <laughs> with running backs. But 1,500 yards, 15 touchdowns is competing for an all-pro team. I'm not sure that's Damian Williams. Yeah. And not only that, there's going to be rotation. There's going to be a healthy running back rotation. I mean, the, the same people that that love Damian Williams this much and are really praising that he's going to have this all-time all-pro year also really love Darwin Thompson and Darrell Williams and not Carlos Hyde but yeah <laughs> because there's a lot of Carlos Hyde shade too but there like, should be whoops there, there's so many there are plenty of mouths to feed and there will be situations where dudes get some extra stuff Damian Williams I wouldn't call a workhorse back. Damian Williams is going to get a lot of touches. Damian Williams is not going to get the kind of touches that I think he needs to get 1,500 yards and 15 touchdowns. That's just ludicrous. But you you want to talk about 1,000 yards from scrimmage? I'm absolutely there. You want to talk about maybe creeping into double-digit touchdowns? I will hear that argument as well. But you're talking about oh, almost... 100 yards and a touchdown every single game for Damian Wilson throughout the course of the season. That is a really steep ask for anybody, let alone a guy that's been a little bit of a journeyman running back to this point in his career. Uh, Damian Williams' cap number is 1.7 million, and Carlos Hyde's is 2.7, which I just find interesting. Uh, and that doesn't mean anything, frankly. <laughs> um, but... I just I I like Damien Williams a lot. We I all think, do. We love him. I, yeah. I think he's a tremendous value for what they have him for. But Carlos I think Carlos Hyde's gonna eat into this in, into his his workload a little bit. Uh, and like I he's good. He's got like watching him in the AFC Championship game, which I did recently, like there's a lot to like about him. Mm -hmm. There is a lot to like about him. Uh, we'll see. I don't know. I don't know what kind of what his max workload has been in the National Football League to this point. Like it takes a lot of touches to get to 1,500 yards and 15 touchdowns. It takes a lot of it takes a lot of touches to get, you know, to to 1,200. Mm -hmm. So just pump the brakes. And they don't need him to be that guy. I think Carlos Hyde can do a lot of the same things that they want out of that position. 
I think Daryl the Barrel Williams can give you some quality touches too because he did last year as well. He made some great plays. That screen he finished, I think, against the Colts was a really nice play. There's some positive indicators there. Darwin Thompson, they invested a six-round pick in. So there's a lot to like about that running back group. It's going to be a productive group. And they don't need Damian Williams to be the 1,515, 1515 guy anyway. No. Darren, uh, it, go, sorry. It took Kareem Hunt 325 touches to get over 1,500 yards and 10 touchdowns as a rookie. 11 touchdowns as a rookie. And that's all purpose. Yeah. He got I over mean, 1,500. But it, I mean, it was 325 total touches, and he still ended up with 11 touchdowns and well over 1,500 total yards. But that was Kareem Hunt in a stellar season being used essentially as a workhorse running oh, back. Oh, he was a definite workhorse in that season. Yeah, that's why I'm just putting some numbers. That's why yeah. I wanted to use numbers for this. I'm not usually a numbers guy, but just I think people are throwing out numbers with these over-under predictions that kind of line up with the skills and traits they see on the film. But go back to those names I mentioned, Todd Gurley, Ezekiel Elliott, Christian McCaffrey, Saquon Barkley. These are guys that essentially are the offense for the team that they played for. They were the offense last year or a huge part of it. I'm not sure that Damian Williams even cracks the top four, five most important parts of this Chiefs offense. To put up all pro level numbers is something I just can't see based on what he's done in the past or what it historically takes to get to those numbers. Uh, it looks like I'm, I'm going to do some mi- quick math, and this is kind of scary. Uh, please hold just a second, <laughs> because uh, there is one other piece of this I'm, I think is kind of interesting. 48 divided by 3 uh, times 16. Okay, so For those Damian of you Williams, at home, he, he's sitting there with an abacus right now. Yes. Yeah. I borrowed Craig's abacus. <laughs> he gave me his spare one that he built uh, with bespoke lumber. Whittled. Anyway, Whittled. go ahead. Go ahead, uh, Okay, so the last three games that Damian Williams played in the regular season last year, he averaged 16 touches a game. So that's 256 touches over the course of, uh, of a season. So that's nowhere near the kind of numbers that Kareem Hunt was handling from a workload perspective. And by the way, the running back room behind Damian Williams is better than it has been in a while. Yes. So you I need will to take almost Car- average six yards per touch to get to 1,500 yards. Yeah, yep. I would take, I would take, I would take uh, Daryl the Barrel, Carlos Hyde, and Darwin Thompson over Sharkandrick West and Spencer Ware, ten out of ten times. Absolutely. Uh, but again, we like Damian Williams. We're we're we've been early on Damian, and we're big fans of him, and we like what he can do. Craig, who needs to have their expectations tempered? Okay, as much as people want to talk about, you know, how Damian Wilson is not here for the Sam linebacker position, a lot of people think that Darren Lee is going to be this crazy, amazing will linebacker in coverage. And I think that Darren Lee has a very defined role on this team as a coverage linebacker. I think he will be pretty good at it. I mean, we we all heard the PFF stat saying that he was number four in the league overall. He's a good coverage linebacker, but he's not going to be a guy that's going to shut out guys underneath. They're still going to give him help. They're still going to ask him to cover shallow zones, you know, curl and flat zones. It's not going to be chasing guys down all over the field. He's not going to be as splashy as a lot of people think. So I think the expectation of him being this amazing player. And I know we're kind of responsible for that because 
we said if he plays well, he could get a big contract and they could get a good compensatory pick pick for him, which I still think is true, but he's not going to be playing in the base defense. They're going to cover him up as a run defender in a very, very big way. He's not going to be much of a run defender at all. They're going to try and limit that as much as possible. So from that standpoint, you guys need to maybe take a step away from the Darren Lee is the most amazing linebacker that we ever could have had ever to this guy's just going to be a very good coverage linebacker and let him kind of go out and do his thing that way. Yeah, and I know I'm definitely partially responsible for this because when I kind of wrote up a film review on him, I definitely focused on the positives of what he brought to the team. Mm -hmm. It was an off-season film review of a guy playing in a completely new system now for the Chiefs. I wasn't focusing on what he doesn't do particularly well or what he hadn't been doing well for the Jets because I was kind of translating him already into this coverage linebacker role in my head. So I focused only on the good. When you go watch the Jets play, there is a lot of snaps where Darren Lee just isn't doing anything. And I don't mean he stands still doing nothing. I just mean he has no effect on the play. He's still trying to figure out how to read everything. He's still not attacking wrong gaps, but just kind of running himself out of plays well, occupying a space on the field that's productive, but not exactly what you want to see out of a linebacker with his athleticism over and over again. So there's just there's still growing to be done with Darren Lee. He is not a great run defender. He's getting better, but he's not great. In coverage, there's times where he'll blow an assignment. He'll miss a guy from here and there in terms of his recovery responsibility, but he's getting better. He's still improving, though. I think people have to kind of step back and realize that while he had his best year last year, and you should be excited for him, there's a lot of stuff that still has to go into his game to where he's a game-changing linebacker on a week-by-week basis. Yeah, and I think I don't like see a game-changing linebacker on a week-by-week basis. I do see a guy that can be a very quality uh, coverage linebacker and who is worth the investment. I think that's really what it boils down for me too. That's going to do it for this week's episode. We will be back next week. Uh, in a limited capacity. Oh, wait, no, wait. that's not right. In two weeks, we'll be back in a limited capacity. Be prepared for that. We'll be back full bore next week. We will catch you later.